Last week we heard the angel deliver a message that contained within it the plan. The plan, the message, was Joseph, trust God. Joseph, trust God. This is, uh, this is how it sounds. We, uh, we hear again this, uh, this, this tight little woven package of a story from Matthew chapter 1. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ took place. When Mary, his mother, was engaged to Joseph before they were married, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man because he didn't want to humiliate her. He decided to call off their engagement quietly. As he was thinking about this, an angel from the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, Son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because the child she carries was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. This this is Matthew's account of these, these days of preparation for the birth of Jesus Christ. But, 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 as, but as, I, as I hear the message, I believe, and I have believed for a couple of months now, preparing for this series of sermons, that there is a little more to the plan than just Joseph trust God. But in order to hear that, we have to go to the other passage in the Gospels that tells us of these preparing days before the birth of Christ. And so we find ourselves turning over to the Gospel of Luke. I invite you to find your place in the Bible that you brought with you or pull up the apps that you have on your devices. We find ourselves in Luke chapter 1 to hear the Word of God. Luke begins, unlike Matthew with the genealogy, Luke begins with a story about an angelic visit and news of a pregnancy, but it's not, it's not Mary and Joseph, first off. Luke begins with the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, who have been childless all of their, their married years for so long now, it's beyond conceivable that she would conceive, and yet... And yet they get word from heaven that it will happen. It says to us, uh, in the midst of that, st- of that story of Elizabeth and Zechariah, there's inserted yet another story, and it goes like this. When Elizabeth was six months pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee, to a virgin who was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David's house. The virgin's name was Mary. When the angel came to her, he said, Rejoice, favored one, the Lord is with you. She was confused by these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel said, Don't, look, don't be afraid, Mary. God is honoring you. Look, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of David his father. He will rule over Jacob's house forever and there will be no end to his kingdom. Then Mary said to the angel, how will this happen since I haven't had sexual relations with a man? Or, or, or in common speak, Mary says to the angel, hey, did you miss that week in middle school when they talked about how this all works? Because that's not how it works. The 830 laughed at that a lot more than both the 9 or the 11 Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, much more conservative, the 11 o'clock crowd. That's straight from the Bible. The angel replied, 
The Holy Spirit will come over you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the one who is to be born will be holy. He will be called God's son. Look, even in her old age, your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son. This woman who was labeled unable to conceive is now six months pregnant. Nothing is impossible for God. (laughs) Then Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me just as you have said. Then the angel left her. Mary got up and hurried to a city in the Judean highlands. She entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And then, and then if you skip over to just one verse later in the same story, it says, Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home. This is the word of God for we the people of God. And we say together, thanks be to God. I in, uh, invite you to join with me as we go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, may the words of our mouth, of my mouth, and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer, we pray. Amen. Amen. This is the story of Christmas from both Matthew and Luke. And it tells us indeed that the plan was for Joseph to trust God. It also tells us there are a lot of angels and there's a lot of movement from one place to another. It tells us after that Mary received the news, Mary immediately got up and went to see Elizabeth. Now, we know this, that Mary grew up in the little village uh, named Nazareth. There's a, there's a map that, uh, that Tammy can throw up onto the screen. Up in the top of the screen, along the Mediterranean Ocean, you see the little body of water there, the Galilee Sea, and just over to the left of it is Nazareth. Nazareth, Nazareth is Mary's hometown. Now, she goes to visit her cousin, uh, her married older cousin Elizabeth, and, and that happens in a little village called Ein, Ein, Karim, Ein Karim, which is just to the, as you're looking at it, west and south of Jerusalem, off of the, uh, of the western edge of the Dead Sea, sort of in the bottom middle of the map. So Mary leaves from her home in the north and travels to the south to visit, Mary, uh, to visit Elizabeth, and she's there for three months. Now, here's the rest of the story, is that while we know that Mary and Joseph and Jesus would make their home in Nazareth after, after the birth and after he has grown a few, uh, uh, you know, some period of time, we know that they would make their home in Nazareth. What we aren't 100% sure of is where was Joseph's home? And yet the evidence points to the fact that the, 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 the marriage, that the, the, the engagement and the relationship that had been arranged between Joseph's family and Mary's family would have most likely actually been a long-distance relationship. Think about what we know from the Scriptures. Later in Luke, it says that uh, when the time came for a census, that Joseph, who was of the house and lineage of David, had to return for the census to be taken to Bethlehem. It's most likely from the biblical record that Joseph 
actually grew up and lived as, a, as, as, as an adult before marriage in Bethlehem. So he's engaged to a girl, young woman. She wouldn't have been older than uh, 12, 13, or 14 years old. He, he's engaged to Mary, who lives way in the north, a distance of days that separate them. And now she's traveled to Ein Karim, which on the map is less than a 90-minute journey on foot from the village where Joseph lives. Anybody in the room want to guess that when Joseph hears news that Mary, his fiance, has made a trip south, the first thing he would do after work that first day is what? He'd walk over to see her. He'd walk over to see her. This, for me, is the setting of this fateful announcement. Joseph, delighted to see Mary, enters the room and she says, you need to sit down. I've got something to tell you. <laughs> literally, literally, things are changing. And you know nothing about it. Because the scripture says he wouldn't, have found out, he wouldn't have found out before this visit. You know nothing about it. And he would have heard this news. He would have heard this news. Who, who knows, who knows how, how long he would have visited, but we do know that, that he would have traveled back home at least a distance of 90 minutes. And we're not sure that the, visit, that the angel visits him that night or next night or weeks later, but at some point in time, the angel comes and gives the message, which is, despite what you've heard, despite what you are thinking, this is all in the Scriptures, all in the Scriptures, despite what you are thinking, might be the right way to handle this. The plan for success is for you to trust God. I believe this isn't just the Christmas story. I believe this is the gospel story for all of us. We are called to trust God. But as I scripted out, as I scripted out these, my, my notes for these messages a couple, weeks, a couple months ago, back in October, I, I, I was certain that I wanted to say one more thing. That Joseph's plan is not just to trust God, but it's also to honor Mary. So I went into the Bible looking for a search around, around passages of Scripture that would suggest that, that what Joseph needs to do is, uh, is surely the angel would have commanded Joseph, hey, trust Mary in this. And so I went looking for passages of Scripture where it would tell us, hey, that you are commanded to trust another person or you're commanded to trust your fellow man. And guess what I found? Out of the 127 instances in which the English word trust is used in the Bible, do you know how many of them include or found within a passage that commands us to trust each other? Oh, you already know, don't you? Not a single one. There is no passage of Scripture that says we are commanded to trust each other. Which, which of course, y'all would have known ahead of time. Y'all wouldn't even have had to go and do the search. Because what we know from the biblical record and from our own records is What? A lot of people around us are, well, actually, every person around us falls short of being 100% trustworthy. The Bible would never say, trust your fellow man because your fellow man and fellow woman, they're not trustworthy. And yet, 
There are people around us who from time to time can be trusted. And the Bible says as much as that too. It's just not a commandment. It's not a commandment for Joseph to trust Mary, but I do believe that the will of God was for trust to be a part of their relationship. I believe the will of God was that Joseph would return to his home to receive this message from the angel, which is not only trust me in this, Joseph, but also honor Mary. For that was the angel's message to Mary herself. God is honoring you, most blessed one, by choosing you. The truth is that even in the couple of months that have passed, the news turns us back to the reality that we live in a world in which people are often not trustworthy. And to the reality that, that, that in moments in which trust has been violated, the world doesn't know how to respond. Cataclysmic shifts in Hollywood and Washington, D.C., which, which terribly are more like each other than any one of us wants them to be. Can I get an amen? Industries shaken up, lives turned upside down. I mean, every day we turn on the news wanting there to be good news that leads the day, only to find instead it's yet another revelation. And what is consistent in each of them is that we are not honoring each other. While it is true the Bible does not command that we trust each other, the Bible is clear that the commandment is for us to love each other and there we find the element of trust. Paul writes to the church in Corinth in, 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 in one of the most beautiful, important passages in all the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13, and he says these words in, in verse 7. Love puts up with all things, trust in all things, hopes for all things, endures all things. You can just leave that there for us to gaze upon. We are commanded to love each other. And what does that look like? It looks like trust and hope and endurance. God in His infinite wisdom, seated on the throne in heaven, looks down to earth and says, how will my story be accomplished? And who will deliver it for me? And out of His freedom, God invited Joseph and Mary in their freedom to respond to the plan, which is to trust Him and honor each other. When the church looks out on the world, when any of us follow the news, what we desperately want is to see change. 
What we desperately want is, is, is for there to be redemption in the stories. What we desperately want is for, for the world to turn back to what is righteous and right, where justice prevails. What desperately needs to happen for any of that to be accomplished is for the church to pick up the banner of Joseph. For the church to be led by men who honor women. For Christian men everywhere to set as the example not only a trust in God, but also an honoring of women. Could it be that that the thing that would change the world greater than anything else is if men would honor women? Isn't this the gospel? We're commanded to love each other. We're commanded to submit to each other. We're commanded to forgive each other. And in all of this is woven the truth that for it to happen, we must find hope and endurance and even trust in our relationships. I desperately want the salvation of Jesus Christ extended to the world. But I believe that happens when we follow the plan. Which is when the church trusts God and honors each other. Let's pray. Gracious God, this is a message that reminds so many of us of past transgressions, of moments of poor choice, of events in our lives and in the lives of those we love in which we have not honored the other and others have not honored us. Lord, by Your grace, May your forgiveness shine forth. May your courage be instilled that we might know forgiveness is available and we might choose it. Lord, the path of reconciliation is not an easy one and yet you call us to wholeness. Our prayer for your church and for the world is that we would trust you and honor each other. This we pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.